and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm very excited about our show today. We are bringing back one of our favorite guests, Teal Swan. We've had her on the show three times, episode 6, 73, and 173. Uh, many of you are very familiar with her work. She actually has um, the Blind Spot Oracle cards that she recently released. Anytime Teal has new stuff coming out, we always want to bring her back on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but she also has a new program that's coming out to help everyone as we are recording this podcast during the pandemic and uh, her new course is how to thrive in a crisis. So I think we're going to be spending a good chunk of our time talking about how we can all get through this pandemic, this crisis that the whole world is experiencing. And we know that Teal just has some great wisdom when it comes to things like this. So Teal, welcome back to the Path 11 podcast. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So how have you been since last time we've talked? <laughs> it's been interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bet. Busy, busy. So um, I know originally we were going to talk a little bit. We had scheduled this podcast before this pandemic had happened, and we were going to be talking about your blind spot Oracle card. So maybe we could just let our listeners know a little bit about this new deck that you have coming out, and then let's uh, transfer over and just you know start mm-hmm. talking about what's going on in the world today. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, so tell me just a little bit more about the inspiration between the new Oracle card deck. Well, it's kind of interesting because I was <laughs> I was sitting in a waiting room. I don't remember where I was because this was a, a couple of years ago. And it was in a waiting room where there was a whole bunch of Oracle cards. And obviously, like I am in the business of spirituality, so I'm familiar with Oracle decks, but I got this opportunity to just look through a bunch of them. And I have to be honest, I got really frustrated because it's almost like, you know, an Oracle deck is all about seeing what you don't see, you know? Mm-hmm. But most of them were just, it's like, it was all just bypassing. It's like an Oracle deck pretty much in the spiritual field exists for one reason, and that's just to make you feel good wherever you are, right? So you pick up a card and it's like, let's say you're struggling with a relationship. You're like, I want I want some insight about a relationship. It's just going to be something positive, something like, well, now's the time to focus on all of the blessings in your life, you know? And I was like, you know what? I, I would rather be hit with reality. That's what I would rather um, have. So why don't I just make that? Wait a minute. Blind spot. This makes sense because Oracle stuff is about what you don't see. Why not just be really straightforward about it and then do a deck about what you're not seeing in any given situation? (laughs) Awesome. And can you just give a couple of examples of maybe if somebody were to pull a few cards from the deck, what are some of the messages that you have in there that might be more straightforward? Okay, they're super they're super long, so it's not like you're gonna get this very short explanation if you pull a card, but one of the examples would be something like gaslighting. Now, to gaslight somebody is to convince them of what they see they didn't see, what they hear they didn't hear, what they feel they didn't feel, and it's to convince them that their reality is not as they perceive it. So if I was to walk into your bedroom, right, and all of a sudden replace your bedspread, and then you walked in and I was and said, well, why did you replace the bedspread? And I'm like, well, um, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my God, darling, do we need to go see someone? 
I'm gaslighting you in that moment. So one of the cards that I have have in there is called gaslighting. It means basically that you're perceiving reality, right? But somebody is either intentionally or unintentionally in the situation that you're in trying to convince you that your reality is false when it's actually true. Hmm. That's one example. Another one is, um, and this is one of the more positive ones in the deck, meaning that when you draw it, it's like you can breathe a sigh of relief. It's all about how what's in the way in the situation at hand that you're asking about is all about fear instead of you know, what you're projecting. So it's more about the fact that you're projecting your terror onto the situation than it is that the actual situation is inherently negative. So maybe it's time to think the best in this particular circumstance. Great. So we'll, we'll go ahead and put the link to your cards, um, in the show notes of this show. And I know that you also have an app that people can download where they can actually have an online version of the cards as well. Is that correct? Yes, it is. I was just warn people. Oh, God. The joke around the house now is that this is the, the deck that no one wants to use, but everyone wants to use if you catch my drift. It's like, it's really a truth serum type of a deck. It's not one of those where if you want to feel fluffy, it's one of those where if you really want to know the truth, this is the deck you look at. Yeah. I was actually, um, last night scrolling through Instagram and, you know, I always love to catch some of your video messages that you have on there. And the one that really resonated with me was how you were talking about, you know, you're not necessarily the spiritual teacher that's going to tell you what you want to hear, but you are a person that delivers the truth. And sometimes that's hard and how like you will hold a mirror up to people to really show them. But sometimes that could be very hard for people to receive. Oh yeah. And I, I think that people have to ask themselves whether they're into to spiritual awakening or self-help or self-development for the sake of awakening or for the sake of feeling good. And yeah. I don't think that's a question that we, a lot of people ask themselves, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. All of us get into this type of stuff because we want to ultimately feel better. But it's like you can take two paths there. There's what I call Novocaine spirituality, which is for people who really that's all they want, right? They're not really wanting deep healing, which we all know involves pain and looking at very painful truths. What they want is just pain relief. And there's plenty of spiritual practices that are simply pain relief. Tons of spiritual teachers who are literally only dedicated towards relief. And I'm the opposite direction. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I think that's why I love your work because I, I, you know, I, I tend to take more of that approach, you know, with my clients as well. And sometimes that's can be a little bit of a harder way, but like you said, I mean, if you're, if you're really in it to heal and uncover, you have to look at some of those ugly aspects and just get real with yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's let's move in a little bit to have a discussion of what's going on with this pandemic. I'd love to kind of just get your take on maybe, you know, starting from the beginning a little bit. What what the hell is going on? (laughs) And from from your perspective, what is happening right now with this virus, with everything that is changing on Earth, money, the world, people, uh, people reacting with tons of fear? and just really feeling like the world is in crisis. So how can you begin to break this down, deliver us some truth in how you're seeing this play out? For me, this is one of the biggest power plays that's ever been played in human history. I've never seen anything like this. And and that's saying something for somebody that remembers all of their lives. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't buy that this is an organic situation, to be honest with you. And even if it was the way that that the governments have moved in on this and what they're doing here and actually getting compliance with is blowing my mind actually so i'm like 
much more standing on the side of getting people, which is what I'm really trying to do with the people who are following me. I'm getting people to really question how much of their liberties they're willing to give away. Because without it, we're actually we're headed towards a complete decimation, to be quite honest, of of um, civil liberty. And it's it, the biggest play of all is the fact that people will give it away, you know, because of it's for your own good. It's pretty surprising to see how much people will comply to if they think that it's going to keep them safer. So the hard thing about what's going on right now is that it's like there's two different arguments going on which is why people can't even agree upon the facts. You know, if you can't agree upon the facts then you can't even like find a meeting of minds. So you're watching the people who are really panicked about a virus and their argument is all about safety and the other people aren't even, it's not even about a virus. It's not even about safety. It's about civil liberties. So there are these two giant issues going on, which are juxtaposed in terms of how to deal with them. <laughs> if you catch my drift. Yeah. Now, how do you make sense of the fact? So this is another thing that I have heard from um, some other people saying, you know, the concept of, you know, we're souls, we choose to come down here, we have chosen to participate in this experience, and that this is just a whole evolution of consciousness that is happening. And we're moving into the heart chakra into the heart center, trying to become a more evolved consciousness. I mean, what do you think that any of that is true on this level of what's going on with with consciousness and on Earth? This is a part of the plan. I th well, yeah, but I, but here's the thing. Everything is a part of the plan of evolving into um, what we're wanting this to be. So I want you to think about this on an individual level. Let's say that there are those of us who are on the path of spirituality now. I want you to look back at your life in terms of what kickstarted you onto that path. Was it something awesome or was it something painful? Uh, for me, painful. Trauma. It's For most people, trauma. Right. So. My answer, and this is what's, what's sort of bugging me, is that you've got, it's this bypassing. What you're hearing right now in the spiritual field especially is a lot of bypassing where they're going, oh, it's all about the evolution of mankind. It's all about us getting to this utopian society. It's all about, yeah, that's right. But do you know how you get there? You get there by mankind being so squarely crammed up against their own separation and isolation and fear that they eventually get there. So it's almost like there's this bypassing of this intermediary phase where things get a hell of a lot worse before they get better. And do you have a sense of how you think the majority of people are really going to respond in this crisis? I mean, do you think the mass is just going to be compliant and fall into just following what the government is mandating and you know, just complying like, like you were talking about, or do you think there is potential for a mass movement for people to really begin to sit back and question how much of their liberties they really are willing to give up and how much of their freedom they're willing to give up? It's going to be both. Mm -hmm. What this is, is the division arising within mankind. Remember this year, I don't know if you know about this, but every single year I do a, it's like a forecast for the year. And okay. yeah, when I released my 2020 forecast, the theme this year, besides redefining, right, which is in, redefining ourselves on an individual level and on a global societal level, the major theme is conflict this year, which means polarization. So what we're watching is this separation and polarization within the human race. And that's showing up right now in terms of the way we're isolating ourselves. I cannot tell you how upset I am, by the way, at this new moniker that they've come up with. We're in this, it's basically together alone. That's the new moniker for the human race. 
and it's just uh, yeah it's disgusting to be completely honest with you but on top of that like we're watching this like what i was talking about this polarization that's going to be happening between the people who are really waking up to what's happening here and the power grab that's happening here and the people who are going to allow that power grab to happen because they're believing that it's in their best interest and safety to be complying to every um, measure that's going to be put forth and and we're not even in that phase by the way right now i have to say that see right now people we're talking about getting back to normal or whatever we're still in the the primary phase of a crisis so that means that nobody no government has actually hit the phase yet where what they're introducing is the long-term prevention measures that's where this gets really scary for for the human race mm-hmm. and so how do you begin to encourage people maybe to wake up a little bit more maybe begin to I don't want to say come out of compliance per se, but just begin to see what it is that you're seeing and what are some of the questions that people you think should begin to start questioning? Well, really, my question for people is how how much of your civil liberties do you actually care about? You know, and also where what are your priorities relative to where they stack up? I'm going to give you an example of what I mean. I want you to imagine that um, just wake up to a world where there's no possible way that a government could allow this to happen again. What I mean by that is nobody can afford this. Like we actually as a world can't afford what just happened. And most people don't understand that. They're like, oh, we're going to come back from this. Actually, there isn't coming back from this. What's going to happen here is that there's every government simultaneously is going to tell the public we can't ever afford this to happen again, right? So what are we going to do to make sure that it never happens again? And this sets the stage for health to become the new modality of discrimination. This sets the field for them to create health measures that must be complied to. And if they're not complied to, you lose your basic human rights to be around other people. So you're going to have to ask yourself whether freedom matters more or whether connection matters more. And it's quite ironic that that's the split that we as humanity are facing because it's the split that individuals have have been faced with. And to be quite honest with you, it's a pretty brutal internal war between in most people, you know. Does freedom matter more or does connection matter more? That's gonna be the question that they put in front of you and I feel like people need to be thinking about that. Especially people who, who are aware that some of the health measures that are going to be carried out here can serve as an incredible smokescreen for getting rid of anybody who they don't really want to have exist. It's already a nasty habit, by the way, in the, in the alternative field for doctors who come out against vaccines and things like this to miraculously vanish overnight. All of a sudden, they mysteriously died, as if that's a trend that isn't completely planned out. So I, I, what makes me real nervous is that what we're setting the stage for here, and this is what I want, what I want people to wake up to, is that the stage, the stage is being set for people in the future, if they are opposing any government entities, for those government entities to simply say that they were a health risk and therefore gets public support for the eradication or the imprisonment of certain people. Hmm. And yeah, so it, it's like I want I want people to think about it that way, and I definitely want people to research vaccines more. I have to tell you the honest truth; I don't think that most people educate themselves enough. 
on these types of health measures that may be implemented. But I have, like, honestly, you can't control the human race without tracking. And like, so that's really what our major focus should be. Um, the government right now is, is going to, in, in their measures to make sure this never happens again, quote unquote, they're going to want to track every single human. And they're going to want to do this through um, technological advancement. And what this brings up for the average person, which is the questions I want people to start asking themselves, is how much does my privacy matter to me? Only you can answer that individually. It's not like I'm sitting here saying you should care about your privacy. It's about questioning yourself about how much you care about privacy, how much you care about um, being able to have sovereignty over your own body. How much do you care about your right to assemble, right? Those are those three things right there are like central to, to human civil liberties. And they've already been taken off the table right now. So it's these types of questions that I want people to start asking themselves because it's only by asking yourself those types of questions that you can actually figure out what you will do in the future. So like right now, it's not about, for me, it's not about whether you wear a face mask or comply to these types of things that they're asking you to do right now. It's about when the second wave of preventative measures starts to come into play, how far are you going to actually choose to let that go? What matters to you? You know, because like what you don't want to do is to get to that day and have them have this immediate change happen. And all of a sudden you're unprepared for this type of deep existential questioning and answering you're going to have to do to know how you will respond at that point. Right. And the response too. I guess what, you know, some people don't know yet is how much uh, people will be pressured into having to make a decision that they don't want to do because of, like you're saying, what will the consequences be? Oh, and this is, yeah, this, this right now is just, you know, they've got this thing in the United States right now where it's like, you got to report on your neighbor. That is one of the most dangerous things that I have ever heard of. And that, by the way, is something that they did in the Third Reich. So we need, it's, this is what I'm wanting people to wake up to. It does not matter whether you believe or don't believe that this virus is real or not real. What matters is that either way, you're recognizing that the stage is being laid for something incredibly dangerous incredibly dangerous like it doesn't matter how scientific you are or how you know on the fringe you are in terms of of um you know these elaborate ideas of what the government may be doing and how the government may have created this i don't care what side of that argument you're on you have to realize how dangerous the situation that we're walking ourselves into is relative to civil liberties relative to exactly what people, the amount of power that a person can grab from the, from the citizen and from and governments from other governments as well. Right. Cause that, that is happening right now. It is happening right now as we speak and the consequences, like what I said right now in the United States, they've got the citizen reporting so dangerous, so dangerous. You guys, this is to turn citizens against one another. And when it comes to what they're planning to do here in the future, in terms of these preventative measures, what they're going to do is to set people up against each other. You're going to get so much peer pressure, and that can be very violent peer pressure, in fact, about, well, if these people don't comply to these health measures, it's your children that are going to die because of them. Now you have citizen compliance for the enforcement of rules and punishment measures that are absolutely inhumane, but human beings are pretty much willing to do anything for the sake of their own personal, individual safety. So human beings are are face to face with their own tendency to play a zero sum game. Let me explain the zero sum game. 
A zero-sum game is it's my best interest against your best interest, and that is the game that human beings have been playing since the beginning of time. So what this is really meant to do in the long run, we're not talking in the next few years, I'm talking in the long run, right, is that human beings are, are up against such a vicious zero-sum game with each other that they're eventually going to have to realize it sucks so much that they end this pattern. And they start to become people who are stepping into free choice, people who are stepping into a space of love. I mean, it's a bit redundant because this is what every spiritual teacher since the beginning of time has been trying to teach, whether it's Buddha or Jesus or whatever, they've been teaching choice and love, right, free will and love. And this is what this is inevitably going to make people step into. But like I said, it took for people around the world to really want peace. It took the Second World War. For people to really want to step into free choice and love, it takes imprisonment and it takes separation. And that's what we're headed for right now. And that's why I'm trying to tell people, like even the people who are awake, I, I understand if you're already thinking that you're on that side of it where you're awake already, you have to know that this is what we're headed for right now. We're not headed towards an immediate wake up. We're like, oh, it sucked to be stuck in my home for so long. All of a sudden, I'm going to love people. That's not going to happen. So, yeah, I, I, what I would want for people is to, to realize that what's going to tip the scale here is, is what side they choose to get on and how fast. So okay, we can, yeah. So right now, it's about what do I choose? What is my priority? And how do I practice love, which is to take other people as a part of myself? How do I practice that? If you live in that way, then you've already basically jumped the fence that humanity is going to be asked to jump here into the new awakening. So this was a long-winded way of answering your question. Does this, and did we always know that this plays into this collective awakening? Hell yeah. But awakening is not a comfortable process. It's a whack a tree at 70 miles an hour process most of the time. And it's definitely the case for humanity right now. Now, you know, some of what you're talking about, too, like, you know, people conforming or, you know, what about, well, let me back up for one second. When you were talking about, you know, people making the choice between freedom or connection, you know, in your one book, The Anatomy of Loneliness, when you think about humans, um, you know, human beings wanting to belong, to belong to a tribe, to belong to something, um, humans thriving on connection, on, you know, physical touch and, and just the sense of belonging and having this level of intimacy as opposed to the freedom. I mean, how do you think that's going to come into play just with what allows human beings to thrive and survive and them needing to maybe in turn make that decision so they can have that that connection and feel a part of it because you know i'm going to be the person that wears the the mask and i'm not going to be that outsider because i just want to belong in the mass of people most people will choose that, but there, I think most people, I mean, there will be a great, a huge amount of people that won't actually be aware of what they're being forced to choose because they'll actually buy the story. There will be a whole bunch of people that actually buy the story, hunk, line, and sinker, that all of these measures that are taking your freedom away are for your own good, and so it's not going to be a problem for them. Right. But like whole other demographic of people that will be polarized, let's call it the more people that are awake to the fact that their liberties are going to be taken away. I think a lot of them will actually choose compliance because it's almost like it's the position I'm in. I've had to actually come to terms with the fact that they've played the ultimate trump card here. Yeah. I have a right? I have a 10-year-old son. Now, obviously, if I get separated from him and now my ability to be near the, my own son is going to be determined by my willingness to comply, right? 
I can't actually look at you in the face today and say 100% that I would be a freedom fighter in that type of a circumstance if what was on the line was my own son and me being separated. And so I think there's a whole lot of people, maybe a lot of people who don't have as intense a connections <laughs> that will choose to be freedom fighters and a whole lot of others that would be, but are going to be put in the position of not wanting to ruin the lives of people in their life or be separated from them permanently. Yeah, I, I would agree with, with what you're saying as well. And so if you think that, or what are your thoughts about, okay, so let's say that that happens and when push comes to shove, you, you definitely may, you know, choose that compliance instead of being that freedom fighter. How do you think you begin to um, still live on a spiritual path or adjusting to that new reality and still allow yourself to awaken and evolve? God, I don't know. Some of the answers to these questions I don't have myself yet because it's such a, a powerful personal process, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, because I mean, look at it this way. I, I mean, I may decide the opposite way too, depending on how old he is as well. Because, like, I feel like if he's past eighteen and he's already living his life, it may be easier to have a conversation that goes like, you know, what we may be separated because of this, but it's no life that I'm going to leave you or no world that I'm going to leave you if I don't fight for this. Um, I don't know yet. I haven't really answered a lot of those questions, but as far as spiritual practice is concerned, it doesn't matter whether somebody puts you in a jail cell. There's always practice to be had in terms of personal awareness, in terms of um, taking your consciousness out of your body can even be a new practice in that type of a circumstance. So what I'm talking about, you know, being locked up in a jail cell is far less of an experience, far worse of an experience rather than what most people are going to be facing when it's about these comply or get in trouble type of scenarios. So I, I, it's like a non-issue for me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the question is almost like there's a million and a half things you, you're always going to be able to do in terms of personal growth and in terms of staying as in alignment as you possibly can be. And I think it's going to, if for people who choose compliance in that respect, spiritual practice is going to be to become more like water, right? When water gets presented with something that's in its way, it kind of carves its own path. It takes a, the path of least resistance, but it still continues forward. And I think we're going to be in one of those types of scenarios where it's like, all right, swallowing the reality of what's here, just like that person in the jail cell would have to swallow, swallowing the reality that I'm stuck in this jail cell. What freedom do I have, actually? What can I do with my mind? And I can promise you that during that phase, I'm going to be teaching a whole bunch of new <laughs> processes that people can can take on. But I mean, this is a hell of a lot to, to swallow and to chew. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when you were kind of talking about that whole concept of being more like water, I guess, you know, there's part of that as well. It's like, are you in, do you turn yourself into a state of just allowance, you know, just, you know, allowing things to unfold as they will and not moving into a state of resistance? Or do you, you know, resist and, and not maybe purposely just allow and go with the flow? So this is what I, what I would say. A lot of people use these words, these same words, right? They use the word resistance or they use the word allowing to represent all kinds of states. And I think this is a, a bit dangerous because for one person to be in a state of alignment would be to defy a lot of the measures that are gonna be put in place here, coming up here soon. And for another person, being in a state of alignment would be to do the opposite. So I feel like it's more complicated than saying that resistance looks like non-compliance and allowing looks like compliance, right? 
Right. Yeah, because I would say, you know, the alignment of some of what's as being asked of us to me is being in alignment with fear, which I'm not in alignment with fear, yeah. you know? Yeah. Exactly. So, so this is why this is why I'm I'm a little bit struggling to answer some of these questions about what people should do because it's we've been put in a situation where we're having to come to terms with our personal values at such a deep level that it would take working with a person individually for me to kind of help them drill down to what their their actual alignment and truth is in a given situation. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how you are trying to, you know, help people overall, you know, through the masses and you're developing uh, a new course, how to thrive in crisis. So can you talk a little bit about that? I know that the launch date of it is coming up uh, pretty soon, April 26th. And I believe this show is going to air around May 4th. So this course will be out already and ready to be taken. So uh, tell us a little bit more about it. Okay, so more about this course. I well, I just dawned on me that the whole human race is in the middle of a crisis, but crisis is not new, and it's not about pandemic. I mean, we have a crisis anytime we break up with someone. We have a crisis oftentimes when we get fired from our jobs. A lot of people are having midlife crisis. It's just basically any circumstance where we're put under so much stress and pressure in a situation where we have to make very important decisions that are difficult to make, right? So I decided to make this course applicable to any crisis that a person might face. And what's really great about doing it that way is that it's not about a pandemic that may be what people are using this particular crisis course for right now, but it's about being in that situation in your life how do you thrive with it instead of survive with it? Because to be completely honest with you, I don't have to help people survive a crisis. They, like absolutely everything in your biology is wired to help you survive a crisis. Right. But thriving is a different thing. Thriving, the way that I define thriving through a crisis is that you're able to take that crisis and actually use it to make you more instead of be something that diminishes you. Right. So, you know, right now that like right in a crisis, most of us feel diminished by the experience. Like I've lost my job. Something diminished me. I've, I've lost my sense of safety. That's a diminishment. Right. So what this course is designed to do is to help you to work with all of the things that occur in a crisis, the reality of the crisis, and also to reframe the way that you're seeing crisis in a way where it can become an additive where we already know what this is like by the way we look back at our lives 20 years ago and all of a sudden we're like oh well i see that crisis i went through when i was 20 and how actually it made me so much better at xyz or so much more of what i am today and this is a course that helps you do that quite quickly (laughs) yeah and do you want to um, share just a little bit or maybe giving one example of how people can begin to thrive instead of survive? Oh, yeah. Well, of course, this is a, it's a layered response type of a deal because a crisis initially begins as a shock to the system. And if you don't deal with shock in the correct way, then shock actually embeds itself permanently in your system and you can't ever move forward. So the first element of this, like in in my introduction, what I'm introducing people to is how to deal with shock in the right way. Shock needs an intense amount of stillness, in fact, which is what most people don't do. So let me, let me give you an example. Let's say that a loved one dies um, and you're in that, that sort of stunned type of a um, attitude that you get into with the crisis. You just almost can't believe it. And things start to feel surreal. Most people try to get you out of that. And people even try to get themselves out of it. Like you'll have a friend that comes by and is like, let's go to the bar and have a drink. Right. Right. That's actually 
It's the opposite of what, what that state needs. That needs such an intense level of stillness and presence that it's crazy. It's almost like melting ice is the way that I describe it. So that's in the, the introduction. Also, another thing that people have to understand about crisis is that they have the need to simplify. That's, so it's a lot of these practical things in the very beginning of dealing with it that most people don't think about. It's just about how do you wrap your head around something that is it is so life shattering essentially that you have to go back to the drawing board. So one of those things most people don't really understand how to do is to simplify and simplify and simplify their life. Um, you got to take everything that is unnecessary off the back burner. You got to zoom in. So you're no longer thinking about that future that you were headed towards. I mean, a crisis, let's just be honest, oftentimes demolishes your view of what the future is going to be, but, but it is to zoom in. So you start to live, moment to moment, hour to hour, and instead of towards the future, that's another element of simplifying. So I have a whole chapter on how to simplify. The, the, another one is making healthy choices that essentially make it so that you're buoyed. That's a whole chapter in and of itself. Um, what I mean by that is that most people in a crisis, they're emotionally stressed. And our response to emotional stress is usually to get more lenient. But what most people don't realize is that in a crisis, you have less of a buffer than you do at other times you have less leeway for the decisions you're making. So a crisis, is not, it seems like an obvious thing, right? But it's not actually obvious to most people. You can't actually afford that extra drink in a crisis. You can't afford to stay up late in a crisis. All of these things that we would consider to be withdrawals from a personal energy account, you cannot afford in a crisis. So you have to be actually more self-disciplined when you're going through a crisis. Um, I have a whole chapter on uncertainty and instability, how to deal with that, you know, because uncertainty is so key to crisis. Crisis up creates an upheaval in everything. You don't know what you're working with. And oftentimes in a crisis, you're not even getting enough information to make a healthy decision. So I've got a whole thing on uncertainty and emotions as well. I mean, we live in a society where we're in the emotional dark age really like we are in the emotional dark age but uh, emotions and how we deal with emotions is key and central to us learning what our personal truth is and it's only based off of learning that personal truth that you can make the right decisions for yourself going forward in whatever direction you choose to go forward in relative to the crisis itself so i've got a whole chapter on how to help yourself through the full emotional experience so as to understand the full truth about what you're experiencing another thing most people don't really think about relative to crisis is that you've got to expect waves and not only waves of crisis relative to <laughs> like the one crisis you're in. I mean, we've experienced that right now, right? Where one day you wake up and you're like, all right, I'm stuck at home and I'm going to make the best of this. And it feels great. The next day you feel depressed again. And oftentimes when you, when you take that tank the next day, you're like, oh, I'm back to square one. Like, I don't understand what's happening. I'm just not getting anywhere. But actually it's that grief, you know, which is elements of crisis happens in these waves. Also, it's pretty typical that in a crisis, there are multiple waves of crisis itself. What I mean by that is it's not uncommon for somebody to lose their job and then 10 seconds later, their you know wife leaves them and then 10 seconds later, they have a health crisis. Right. So <laughs> to expect waves is really important when you're dealing with a crisis because when they hit, you're going to take them in a different way if it's expected as opposed to being like, oh, the crisis should be just one wave, it should hit me, and then I should like get my stuff together and keep going. That's not how it works in a crisis. I'm also gonna teach people in this, in this uh, course how to caretake their fear, which is not something that most people know how to do. It's usually in the human race, it's either I'm bulldozing my fear or I'm letting my fear completely control me. And the, I'm, what I'm presenting is this third option, which is to, to caretake your fear and to learn how to do that. 
I've also got a whole section on how to root in reality because denial is one of the biggest enemies. Um, personal power can only be found in reality, and that means swallowing some of these really painful truths. So that chapter that I've got for people or that lesson is designed to help people come out of denial. Um, the next thing that they're going to hit on is the struggle for meaning. Right in a crisis, you're always going to go there. You know, it's like I got in an accident. What does it mean? Does it mean that I'm a crappy driver? Does it mean that I'm getting punished? Does it mean that we should invent a new form of transportation? We start to struggle with meaning when we're in a crisis, and that is where we can go really, really wrong and get really, really stuck. So a crisis can can diminish our lives because it will cause us to add a meaning that doesn't inherently exist, which gets us into a lot of trouble later. Um, the, the chapter after that, if I remember right, is about change. Um, there is no such thing as a crisis without change. And this is something that I'm trying to um, make people aware of relative to the crisis we're in right now, because you can hear people saying things like, well, hey, we just want to get back to normal. There is no back to normal with a crisis. That's the point. It's a, it, Basically, it's this huge upheaval where we step into a new way of being. Of course, there's a lot of personal choice. That's a later chapter in what you do with that upheaval and what you choose to bring back. I'm sure you've been seeing a lot of these memes flying around about what do you want your new normal to look like? Or when normal gets demolished, it's a time to consider what parts of normal you want to bring forward into your future. And that's that's what you know looking at this change is all about. But this chapter on change in here helps people to understand why they resist change. Like, why is it that that when we're faced with change, we start to panic and hold on to coping mechanisms instead of get on board with the change and also what to do about that. Another element is the loss of identity and, and disidentification. Um, in a crisis, one of the things that changes our, is our sense of self, because most people don't realize that a sense of self is an amalgamation of all the things we identify with in our life. And if there's any change to any of those things, we experience a loss of identity. The best way to explain this in a really quick way is I want you to imagine that you've got an Olympic athlete and the crisis that they suffer is an injury. And so all of a sudden they can't be an athlete anymore. That's a loss of identity. And so that's like almost a separate loss element to crisis that has to be dealt with because we're going to be forming a new sense of self when we're dealing with a crisis. And so a lot of people are losing their jobs right now in this particular crisis, and that's going to be a loss of identity as well. So what do they want themselves to be going forward? Is this the kind of stuff you wanted? or like Because I could keep going for a few more points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it's amazing how you're, you've been able to kind of break this down and you're hitting every single thing that I think all people as they're listening, if you're applying it even just to the pandemic is like, oh yeah, okay, I need to know that. And yes, that that's also what I've been thinking and going through. So, and you know, what I hear a lot of people always say, just talking about um, that whole element of change is that a lot of human beings you know, just are saying how many people have walked into my office and said, I am not good with change. I don't like change. I like things to be predictable and stable. And when change happens, like I just freak out about it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I have a whole chapter on that. And then I have one on depression. This one is pretty interesting because it's it's really common, actually, for people to go into a state of depression in conjunction with a crisis. And we all know that grief is a part of crisis and depression is part of crisis. And, and grief, right? So this depression chapter is, re I'm really interested in people learning about this because depression is one of the most poorly understood things that we have on the planet. Depression happens when you're actually in resistance to futility, not when you're accepting futility. So it means, it's to basically to imply that if you sunk into a depression cycle within the context of crisis, there is some element of futility of course, that's what's preventing you from stepping into the change that you're in resistance to. 
So that's a really interesting lesson that I really am hoping that people get a lot out of. The next um, chapter that I'm teaching on is choice. I don't know if most people know this, but if you look at the, the etymology of the word crisis, it's a deciding point is actually how it's translated. That's what the word means. That's the etymology of it. And so it implies that a crisis doesn't happen without very important decisions being made and important not being easy, right? So this whole element on choice is where I'm helping people to reown their free will because a crisis oftentimes makes you feel completely powerless. And choice is actually the opposite of powerlessness. And so we tend to convince ourselves of a powerlessness that does not exist. The next phase that I help people with is getting into the here and now. Now, what I mean by that is that in a linear timeline, like we're living in past and present do actually exist along with the future. We live in a linear type of an experience in the physical. And this is something which most people like to negate with higher dimensional truths. Like there's nothing but now, right? But I have to say that when you're dealing with a crisis, it's a very powerful tool to be able to pull yourself out of the past and the and the future, because that's where you're living. When you're in a crisis, you're in the past trying to decode and decipher what the hell just happened, and you're in the future about what it's going to mean for, for what you're living into, because it's how humans basically survive is to see, oh, this is what's going wrong in the future, and this is how I'm going to avoid it. So when you go through a crisis, you're literally never in the now. There's no mindfulness. And so that particular chapter is to help people to really understand what mindfulness is. Because when I say that word, it doesn't make obvious sense to most people, even though it's kind of like a catch-all spiritual term. So I broke it down in such a way that you understand exactly what mindfulness is and how simple it is. And I give simple ways that anybody can put that into life, including Let's say that you're a healthcare worker right now and you're like overwhelmed and running around in the ER and you're like, wait, I don't have any time to sit down and be in the here and now. But you actually do because you have to take toilet breaks and you have to go eat food in a cafeteria. And both of those are opportunities for even two minutes of mindfulness, which is actually going to fill you with energy and make you a lot better at meeting a crisis in a state where you're not all discombobulated. Because in a crisis, as you know, it's almost like if you imagine a snow globe, if I was to take a snow globe and start to shake it up, it's really hard to see through that water. It's just like complete chaos. And so what mindfulness allows a person to do is to, to be still enough and with, with themselves enough that that snow in that snow globe starts to settle and all of a sudden the clarity starts to arise. And then the next one, this is my other favorite lesson. Oh my God, I love this lesson. The next lesson that I wanted to give people was positivity and negativity. Oh, I, it's like I almost want to just like talk about this with you. <laughs> because what, what I notice is that a lot of people who teach to crisis teach to be positive. I mean, you're going to hear this over and over again. You just got to be positive. I actually don't agree with that. Because reality is positive and negative. So it's about developing and consciousness. It's about the capacity to hold, you know what? It sucks that I just lost my job. That's the reality. It's horrible. It's also the reality that I have spent more time with my family, which is good. So what people usually do, and this is how they get themselves in a lot of trouble with thriving through a crisis, or should I say not thriving through a crisis, is that they use positivity to negate negativity, or they use negativity to negate positivity. So they're not actually practicing and consciousness and a crisis is a powerful and situation. We're going to see in, in any crisis, we're going to see these elements of incredible gifts that come out of it. And these elements that just are so crappy, you know? Right. So it's ability thriving means you have to be able to hold both. 
So I'm helping people to hold both in that one. The next one is letting crisis lead you to personal power, right? We talked about powerlessness before. Most people don't ever think about a crisis leading them to personal power, but it has the capacity to do that. And that goes hand in hand with the way that I'm kind of wrapping this whole course up for people is to, to get them to use crisis as a compass. Now, if you look at crisis from a universal perspective, all crisis is introduced to powerfully show people a sense of direction for themselves. It's basically a calling back to what matters to you, what you value, and what is the most important to you. And if you use those elements as a compass directing you, you're going to walk into a life that's actually even better than the one you left behind. And so you know, I've got some personal examples in there. And by the way, in this e-course, I had two of my own team members who I used as guinea pigs to demonstrate a lot of these exercises that I'm going to have people doing. So it'll be pretty fun to watch them you know, move through these exercises and you see them kind of transform what they're dealing with. And one of them is dealing with the COVID crisis. So I think a lot of people will relate to that. Yeah. And, you know, just in, to piggyback a little bit off of what you were just saying and, and wrapping up too, I think what a lot of people will find is that when they are going through a crisis, things can become very clear of what's important and what isn't important, um, you know, and, and really beginning to look at just certain aspects of your life that a, a lot of the life may not have a ton of meaning or things that you know you used to stress over or would be over focused on all of a sudden crisis can bring such clarity if that makes sense well, of course yeah that's exactly what i'm saying exactly and if you'll if you'll actually allow for that to happen then you can live a more meaningful life right so. Exactly. Well, this sounds awesome. I mean, right now, I know that you have it set up on your website where you can, you know, put your email in and you're actually giving people before this um, gets released the ability to ask a question. I was just curious to know, as people are signing up for this before it's released, are you seeing a theme of questions that are coming in? Um, most people, the theme is around relationships. I, what I think is happening right now is like we've got a lot of people around the world who are in isolation, you know, right now, but we've also got a lot of people who were thrown into situations where they have to be stuck with people. I don't think a lot of people realized how crap their relationships were until they were stuck in those relationships 24 hours a day in the same house. So... <laughs> Yeah, most of the questions are about, oh my God, I hate my husband. What the hell am I supposed to do in the house with this person? Or, oh my God, I'm back with my parents again. I don't know how to deal with all the triggers. That's the kind of questioning I'm getting. Yeah, and, and you're right on key. I mean, just with you know the other business that I have of doing mental health counseling, uh, the majority of new cases and new clients that are coming in, it's all marital. It's, yeah. it's all married people ready to separate, to have a divorce or, you know, spouses are moving out and, um, you know, relationships are absolutely really coming to the forefront. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, Teal, thank you so much. It's always wonderful to just sit and speak with you and get some of your, your wisdom, uh, just your take on things. I've, I've always really appreciated it. So um, can you let people know where is the course uh, most readily found? Um, like you said, it's going to be released April 26th. So our listeners will be able to go directly just to your website. Um, is that the be- best place to get it? And it's going to be called How to Thrive in a Crisis? Yeah, it's, well, if, if you go to www.tealswan, that's my name, .com and slash crisis, okay. that is the best way to get straight to it. I'm also, I've decided to offer the first five lessons for free to people. 
because I know that there are a lot of people around the world who are like really struggling financially right now. So I gave the lessons that are the most essential to for like when you're in the middle of it and you really need to take practical physical steps to be able to like even get yourself to the mental space to make some of these important decisions. So for, for people who are like, well, I can't afford an e-course, like you at least get five lessons for free if you go there. Excellent. Well, I've signed up. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I appreciate a little bit of the crash course to know, you know, what to expect. And, you know, it sounds wonderful and not just for this pandemic, like you said, but really applicable to everything. So yeah. thank you. Thanks again. And we hope to talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. I also wanted to remind you that we are selling live stream tickets over at our website for $129 for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. This conference is going to be held online only June 5th through the 7th, and you can get your access by visiting path11productions.com AC 2020.